Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of our Unhappy Not Ill podcast. Hope you are all well today. Hi. <laughs> so, wowza, the uh, last episode was definitely one that we got quite um, a lot out of Vanessa. So well done there, Nettie. Um, uh, I, I kind of alluded to this already, but yeah, today is all about medication. I need to remind you guys that we are not doctors and we are not giving you advice about medication. We are just sharing Vanessa's experience with medication. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk through similarly how we did in the previous episode, but zoom into that element, which I think had quite a big impact on your life, didn't it, Vanessa? Certainly had a big impact on my body. Talk us through that. Yeah. Um, so medication. So I think I started taking medication, um, happy pills, when I was in my late teens, early 20s. Um, yeah. And to a greater or lesser extent, I was on then medication from the age of 20 to 46. And the quantities and range of medication differed over those years. But it's suffice to say that... I attribute a lot of my problems to medication. Uh, and I know there's going to be people out there that go, oh, no, 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 medications, particularly doctors. Remember, I have them in my family. Medication has a place, has a place. And it it absolutely does. I, I think my challenge is I don't think it has quite the place that it does currently have in our society. And I think it really, really shouldn't have as much of a place in mental health. Physical health, it, it's it's, you know... A different ball game potentially and I think it's probably easier to see the relevance of medication but mental health wow that's a dangerous one and I'm definitely a victim of um, doctors that just threw medication at me I suspect to silence me or just keep me numb but and that's indeed what it did but it, it absolutely destroyed me um, physically I mean so you can only get medication if you go to the GP. So talk us through this. You went to the GP, they had a diagnosis and you got medication. Is that how it rolled? Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, you go there, you you tell them you're, you know, you're unhappy, you, you know, not sleeping very well, you don't enjoy anything in life, um, you don't want to live and they'll give you some form of antidepressant. I mean, that... That has changed now. I think they give them to you much more readily than even they did back in the 20s, but they definitely were happy to give me various forms of medication. And and I think reflecting on it that I was probably happy to have the medication because if you are unwell, no matter how you become unwell, and somebody tells you they can fix it within two weeks because that's how long they tell you, take it for two weeks, you'll start to feel better, you know, of course you're going to take the tablet. Give us an, a view on like the quantity of medication. Well, that's a difficult one because, you know, there were periods of my time, of my life, where I would take a tablet a day, okay? Yeah. But then there have been periods of my life where I've been taking 16, 17, 18 tablets a day. Um, and, you know, that will be mainly connected to when I've been in hospital where they give you on top of whatever antidepressant they give you, but they would put me on mood stabilizers, tranquilizers, sleeping tablets. Um, you know, quite a lot of the time on my medication journey, and there was a particular doctor 
that I was under the care of at that time. Um, and, you know, definitely um, I was experimented on and would be trying all these drugs. And then I would end up with a problem from taking the drugs and I'd go back and say, I've got this side effect. And, you know, logical person would think that if you come, if you take a tablet and you get a side effect, like in my case, I would be gurning. So your mouth is basically like chewing round and, you know, you, you just look really weird and my leg would be moving a lot. So I'd be, um, almost like tapping and tapping shaking. my leg. Yeah. yeah. So I would go back and my mum, I remember my mum coming with me and saying, you know, this is like Vanessa's got this gurning, we call it, and this like tapping of the foot. And you'd have thought, wouldn't you, that she would say, okay, well, we need to change that tablet. It clearly doesn't suit you. But actually what she said was, well, here's a tablet to counter the effects of that tablet. Oh, my God. Anyway, needless to say, eventually I extrapolated myself from that particular doctor because I don't really, uh, didn't value the input that she had in my life. And and there's this bit around trusting your doctor, isn't it? Like, my yeah, God. Yeah, and, and I'll be really, really candid here. And this is really going to go down like a shit sandwich, bearing in mind the circles I mix in. But I don't trust doctors. I'm scared to trust a doctor. It's such a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Because you feel like shit. You try and get help, which is good, right? You're trying to get help. Mm. They give you medicine so which makes much, you feel worse. Which makes you feel worse. You go and tell them you feel, feel worse, worse and they tell you it's not the medicine, they tell you it's the condition. And they give you more medicine. So they give you more medicine. Uh, I mean, it's very difficult. And look, I, I will say there are some doctors out there who are probably really good in terms of mental health. But back in the 1990s, when this all started happening for me, mental health was not really, you know, it, it, it was the difficult area of medicine. Um, it's, it's definitely better now. You've got doctors out there like Dr. Rong and Chatterjee who uh, feel better, live more podcasts, best podcasts in the world, life-changing podcasts. He's an amazing doctor. You know, my, both my brothers, you know, they're amazing doctors because they probably, because they grew up with me. Um, so, <laughs> so they learned to be, but you know, they are few and far between. And for anyone who knows anything about medicine, you can't visit your family as a doctor. So they are amazing doctors, but I, I don't get the benefit of them. So it, it's, it's one of those things that with the, um, but the, the work I do, um, I come across a lot of people who uh, maybe have a difficult time in their life um, when we're going to be unhappy because that's what happens when you have difficult times and it's completely normal. And by the way, guys, that's really okay. And they go to their doctor and the doctors will just put them on antidepressants. And that does my head in. And, and look, you're talking about, so going back to quantity, like, you know, one a day, two a day, and then boom, up to like 16, 18 tablets a day. Why did that go back? Did that ever go back down or was it just like incremental? Well, actually, that one, um, I'd been in hospital. Um, I'd been put on a new drug and obviously been in hospital. So they put me on lots of kind of calming medications, if you like. And I'd had my ECT as well. So when I came, when I'd had my ECT, they put me on some medication because the reason I had ECT was because the doctor at the time that I subsequently left and won't name, put me on lithium. Uh, and that was because she believed I might have bipolar too. And so lithium is a mood stabilizing drug. Now, I'd been on lithium years before under a different psychiatrist and that psychiatrist had established that it didn't work for me. And I remember telling this doctor 
that. And she said, well, I don't think you had a long enough trial. So she put me on lithium, which then made me, because I wasn't bipolar, um, it then took me into deep, deep depression because people who have bipolar have can have highs, yeah. like really big highs. I didn't have any highs. This is why I always struggled with bipolar because I didn't have any highs. What yeah. I did have was a tremendous um, capacity to function. I was a very high-functioning, yeah. severe depressed person and I was still challenging. So they took that as signs that I was obviously kind of bipolar. Whereas, Sorry, what you mean by challenging is like you challenge the norm, you challenge yeah, your own Yeah, well, opinion. you know, I still functioned. I Almost was still, coming across yeah, as very confident, I was actually. still doing a very high-powered job. So that yeah. made them think I had bipolar. I didn't think I had bipolar. Anyway, I took the tablet. Tablet took me even lower than I already was. Um, and I was in a depression that they couldn't get me out of. So the theory was if I had ECT it would bring me out of the depression. But once, because it shocks you out of depression. And if I didn't do it, at that time I was working in a really, really great place who were very supportive. Um, But, you know, again, my time pressures were, well, I need to get this, uh, you know, I need to get this sorted quickly. That wasn't what I was thinking, but that's what was happening. Um, So I had the ECT, but when when they bring you out of depression, which it did, they have to then keep that, they have to keep you out of depression. So the way to keep you out of depression was then to give me another tablet that would hold my mood, if you like. Um, And that tablet didn't suit me. So that's when I started. So I was having tablets to hold my mood. I was then having tablets to to deal with the tablet that was holding my mood that didn't suit me. And I was um, on a mood-stabilising drug, and it was called quetiapin, which I was on then for seven years, and I don't think anybody should be on that drug for very long, well, ever, but definitely not for seven years. Um, and, and here's the thing, isn't it? I was still only in my early 30s. I still had all these career expectations. And by the way, if I was still doing the career that I chose to do, which was law, probably doing this podcast now would end my career anyway, because people knowing that I was going through all of that at that time, it you know, you'd lose your job. Legislation aside, people have a view. Yeah, I've gone past giving a shit uh, about what people think about my route to market, but there will be lots of people out there that feel that they can't, can't make some choices because of what it will look like to their employers. And this is for you guys. I absolutely feel you. It's true. And whatever laws are out there, whatever people talk about, whatever put it on the social media, it is still not an easy subject to have. Now, there are some amazing people out there, but they are definitely the minority, not the majority. And it's a scary space to be in. So I think when I was in my 20s and in my 30s, I had no idea about the cumulative effect of all these medications. I just wanted a quick fix. The work that I needed to do, which I have subsequently done, to get myself to where I am now and, and, and where I will continue to be till the day I die, at those times, they didn't fit in with my plan for my career. They didn't fit in for my plan for what success looked like. So I took these tablets. But boy, guys, if you are, if you are the person that goes to see the doctor and the first thing they offer you is a tablet, really, really think twice before you take it. Yeah. I'm not saying there isn't a place for some people but I would happily put money on the fact that the majority of people don't need these tablets. 
And I know, I know you had opinion on those tablets as well because you were a strong, powerful, challenging and opinionated woman. <laughs> and I know you tried to come off them at times. How did that go? Terribly. Trying to come off the medication um, when you've been, when you're addicted to it has massive physical effects as well as the depression, you know, effects. And, you know, there is an effect mentally on you, which is why doctors like want to guide you off them. But there's also physical effects. You know, you get um, withdrawals in your body that are, uh, I, I guess, akin to if you were coming off sort of illegal drugs. But um, what do they call it? Cold turkey. Um, so, yeah, through my life, I've definitely done the cold turkey. I took a, after the whole... Um, mid-30s kind of ECT um, debacle. I came off medication for three years. I took myself off it. I went back to a different GP. I saw a different psychiatrist and I said, I don't want to be um, on any medication. And I did that for three years, but I hadn't taken out the damage that the drugs had done in my body. So I'd stopped the drugs, but I still had all of the years of taking drugs in my body, in my cells, in my system. And I didn't really fully understand that till this year. Um, but the other thing was I was still living a high-powered life. exactly it. So I was yeah. only able to, to, to not take... I remember saying to my GP, my GP saying to me, and at this point this was a, actually a very good GP... And I was on a minimal dose of, of, of an antidepressant and it just kind of kept everything at bay. But he put me on it because he said, the reason you need to be on it, Vanessa, is because you, 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 you live a stressful life and you are doing this job that is stressful. So while you're doing that job, you're probably going to need to take the tablet to allow me to do the job. Now, at the time, that made perfect sense to me. I was like, yeah, good rationale. I'll go back I'll on take it. the tablet. <laughs> but, you know, let's just think about that, that for a yeah, minute. Absolutely. Like, the doctor has said to me, the reason you're taking a tablet, Vanessa, is not because you need it, but because the career and the lifestyle that you are selecting... You've chosen. ...requires yeah. you to have it. And I was like, mid-30s, highly successful, highly intelligent, um, driving around in a big posh car, and was like, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> So guys, you know, if you are that person now, just think about what what is going on. Your body is telling you no. And your bank balance desires are saying just push through it. Just push through it. And who's going to win? Cuz my body won. Like, you know, my body showed me over the years that they were not it was not going to take any more of my shit. I mean, that's just crazy. Did you, I mean, and I imagine you would never, ever have thought to change your career. Absolutely that was just not, never, no. not. never an option. No, no, because the rhetoric was you did your career, you paid all your money to a pension. By the time, it, by the way, guys, I did start paying into a pension in my mid-30s because that must have been when the clouds started to lift a little bit and I was having more days where I thought, well, I might actually get to, to, to draw this pension. Um but, you know, no, absolutely. I just kept thinking, well, I'm going to do th this is normal is what I thought. This is what everyone does. You know, you talk to anyone, they all say, well, I'm going to work till I'm 60, 65. And, you know, so I didn't think there was an option. And, and I guess there will be people out there now that don't think there is an option. Absolutely, Vanessa, I think it's, oh, gosh, I don't know if you noticed, but I had a couple of tears in yeah. my eyes. Um, it's just 
freaking horrendous. Um, My wife can't deal with it when we deal with the ECT, can you? No, because I'm like, sorry, you were on 18 tablets a day. Like, it doesn't take a freaking genius to realise that something isn't working out for you and you need to change it, not just add to it. I know, but life doesn't allow you to make those choices. And, and, and it's very anti-establishment, isn't it? And it's very unpopular to tell people who are all wired the way I was. And actually, to an extent, the way you were, it's just that you you had some learnings from your father's kind of um, focus on work and, you know, you, you had yeah. those learnings. Yeah. You know, I was lucky. My dad was very focused, but he was very balanced in his life. Um but, you know, most people are told that what good looks like is you get a good education, you get a good job, a good education, good job, um, a family of some description. You buy a house, partner, you, you know, you yeah. have nice houses, three three holidays a year. That's what they strive for. And I'm not saying that people out there now aren't striving for that. And they really think that that, that makes them happy. I thought that would make me happy. It didn't. And because I'd achieved what everyone told me would make me happy and I wasn't happy, that was a bigger problem. Because when you've got everything that everyone tells you is the epitome of happiness and you're unhappy, where do you go with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I it's think really, that's such a key point really, about what It's really, really easy say. if you haven't achieved those things. You know, earlier this year I did um, the Science of Happiness course, or I think it's called the Science of Wellbeing now. And, you know, they, they'll say to you quite openly there, if you earn... £70,000 a year, that's the most happy you can be. If you earn less than that, you should earn that because it will make you more happy than you are now. And if you earn more than that, it will make you no more happy. Um, and that is absolutely true. However, for the majority of people who don't earn £70,000 a year, trying to earn £70,000 a year is a lot of hard work. Absolutely. So, <laughs> it, it, again, but we've got actual scientific evidence that it does make you happier so that's what people are striving for um you know to, to earn enough money that they can be happy because we do need money sadly it's funny isn't it like i'm sitting here going you almost just need to cut the noise of society out and just like go within and listen to what you want which is much easier to do oh my in, god it's so easy to say well no it's actually easier to do in less civilized societies it's harder to do in western society yeah. Um, and I'm sure there are other parts of the world now that are, uh, are sort of catching up. But Western society model is not only unhealthy, it's killing us. And I don't, I'm very lucky because my body and my experience, I've learned that lesson. I know what it's like. But for a lot of people, they're blindly walking through their life thinking that, you know, it's all going to be okay and nothing's going to catch up with them. But it it does. And it's just a matter of when, not if. So medication has a place, I guess. I, I have to say that, don't I? Because, um, you know, otherwise I'll end up with lots of people suing me in some capacity. But I struggle as I sit here now to to um, to, to understand why it has a place, but I'm sure there are some conditions that do. Um, but I think... You asked me a question um, several weeks ago, Esty, when we were talking about doing this podcast, because for me, doing the podcast has been something, okay, so I'm not doing this podcast for me, I'm doing this for everybody else, because I think it's important that the 
nobody's in life have a voice because we are as valuable as the somebody's in life. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because you asked me a question and you said to me, because obviously everyone, my wife thinks I'm amazing, which is good. So you do need to find yourself a husband or a wife in life that thinks you're amazing. That's a really good start. <laughs> but she thinks I'm amazing and she thinks I'm inspirational. Um, but she said, what would I do differently? You know, in regards to medication. In, in, in regard, well, I know you said in regards to your, your journey. And I couldn't answer that question because I'm a great believer that we have to do these things to learn. So as unpleasant as my journey to here has been, um, I wouldn't be the person I am but for that journey. Um, so, you know, I, I have my learnings. And I then thought about your question and I came up with the answer. And the answer is I would never have taken that first tablet. Really? So that I think kind of crystallizes my view on medication, which is it shouldn't be easy to take it. It should be an absolute last, last resort. resort. For me, it was my first resort and it was my first resort for this reason. I had a vision. It wasn't mine, but I took that vision. And to achieve my vision, I needed to stay on a track that was making me mentally unwell. So it gave me mental ill health and physical ill health, but it was mainly mental for me. And anybody that came along and told me they could fix it with a tablet, I wanted to listen to. Love it. So if you recognise that that might be a vision or a journey that you might be occupying right now, I would just urge you to just think twice about that tablet because it starts with one tablet and that tablet then just becomes your crutch and that crutch then becomes your wheelchair and then that wheelchair will eventually become your coffin just think about these tablets that the doctors just prescribe. Think about why they prescribe them because there's that story as well. You know, you can only go in for three minutes and, you know, you know you've got a big pharmaceutical industry out there and, you know, just work it all yeah. out for yourself. I'm not going to tell you my views. I'm sure you can guess, but just work it all out for yourself because I think if I'd have done that, and I didn't do it, not because I couldn't, but because I didn't want to, because it didn't fit in with your vision, with my vision. Yeah. Okay. But I had no choice but to work it out. And I think that the reason I struggle so much with my mental health is because even though I was blindly following this vision, my inner Vanessa was going, this isn't your vision. This isn't your vision. This isn't your vision. What am I going to have to do to make you realize it's not your vision? Now, I am not an unsuccessful person. Yeah however you define success. Before this time in my life, I thought success was having, you know, a six-figure salary, you know, owning oodles of property, being the top of whatever tree I wanted to climb. My definition of success has changed radically, particularly over the last five years um, and specifically over the last 18 months. And for me, success is happiness, if you are happy, you are successful. If you are unhappy, you are not successful. Yeah. And medication does not make you happy. So if the medication you are being prescribed is there to numb your feeling, then I would ask you to reconsider it. And obviously do it with the guidance of your doctors, you know, if you feel you need to. 
If not, she's just rolled her eyes. I've got, <laughs> if not, I've got some alternative options for people out there who want to come off these horrendous medications. Um, but, you know, and that's what I did. And we do talk about that. But, you know, please, please do not reach out for the tablets or the prescription. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make your life easier. It makes it harder. It doesn't cure the illness. It just puts it. Puts a plaster over Yeah, it. not even a plaster. It just numbs it all. If we if we numb, we don't have to feel. If we don't feel, we don't deal. If we don't deal, we don't heal. Um, and I think there's there's some explanation of happy. You know, you you said your definition of success is being happy, and I think that word is overused in society. So I think we probably just need to explain to the guys if you want to now or in a later episode. But well, I, I don't think continuous happiness exists. But no, it's just well, accepting that. I think happiness, yeah. I mean, okay, I've explored what does happiness mean. Happiness is not, happiness is being content. Yeah. Okay, so if you're content, I think then you've been successful. And happiness is not a moment of delirious joy. It is just, I'm okay with everything I'm doing and everything I have. Yeah, and, and part of that being okay is when you're not okay, being okay with not being okay. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a key point that I've ex dis determined on my journey, which is, and I don't know where I got this messaging from, but the messaging was, if you felt unhappy, there was a problem. But what I've learned is that in order to know what happiness is, you need to understand what unhappiness is. And therefore, it's a, it's a balance. And when you're feeling unhappy, it's good because it's in those moments of feeling unhappy that you understand what happy is. Um, and how are you ever going to know if you're happy if you don't know what unhappy is? And the mistake I made was thinking that I had to always be happy. Um, so, and when I wasn't happy, I had to label it and take a tablet for it because that wasn't right and it wasn't, yeah. and it was even less right when I didn't have a reason to be unhappy, i.e. most people would look at my parents, my family, my life, um, my home and think, well, what have you got to be miserable about? But being unhappy is not about the situational stuff. Being unhappy is much deeper. Yeah. Vanessa, you, I think it's probably time to summarise on takeaways if you you slam dunked it about two minutes ago yeah. with your summary on yeah so if you don't feel you don't deal yeah so yeah I think I might that's take a really a, good takeaway yeah if you don't feel you don't deal if you don't deal you won't heal so think about that tablet twice think about any tablet twice yeah. um, for those of you that are interested I will not and do not take tablets and will not and will never take tablets again uh, because I think there are other ways that you can help yourself. And even when you are ill, do you always need a tablet for it or do you need to be ill? I mean, this, yeah. is, a, this is an important point, isn't it? goes back to it? my mum, doesn't it? <laughs> Better not. Let's just hope the, um, no doctors listen to these episodes. But it's, you know, realistically, um, yeah, my takeaway would be allow yourself to feel because then you can deal and then you can heal. In terms of how we're going to move on from this episode, I think there's one other area that we need to look at before we start going into kind of your way of dealing with it and how you've come out of all this crazy life. <laughs> um, that's my best definition of it. Um, and it's relationships because, 
you know, relate that you would have had a support network around you, you would have had people around you. Um, and in the same way that you were probably confused and unclear, they were as well. So I think this is probably worth just understanding how those relate, what the relationships are that you had, how they impacted you. Um, I think we should look at that a bit more. Guys, I hope that you're, you found this um, episode insightful and supportive. Please, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram and follow this podcast so that you can share it um, and, you know, interact with us on Instagram as well because this will be on the end of that and uh, we can help if we need to. So thank you for listening and see you in episode seven. See you guys.